This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today I am joined by my higher report Joe Mahoney. Thanks for joining me, Joe. You're welcome. Good to be on. And if you guys do not follow Joe on Twitter, go do it. He is at NDJOMO76. Uh, one more time, NDJOMO76. Um, basically, as far as I know, tell me if I'm wrong, Joe, your Broncos-related stuff is on Mile High Report. Yes. So, guys, if you don't keep up with that stuff, keep up with that stuff as well. Um, also, and again, not to like talk you up too too much but he is also a research chemist so he is like nine to ten times smarter than me if not more um (laughs) so i'm gonna try and use the biggest words i can think of today um no i'm just kidding but no we're like broncos country is kind of like in a i don't even know how to explain it like uh, you and I mentioned this briefly before we hopped on, but this is probably the weirdest season I've been a part of in like the 20 years I have been a Broncos fan. I mean, they're four and four. It's the best record since 2016. And most of us are disappointed. Um, the Broncos just traded Von Miller and we're going to try and get ready for a Cowboys game. That feels like it feels pretty bad ahead of time. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Broncos just beat Washington. That felt felt kind of like a hollow victory, if if 
there is such a thing in the NFL. Um, it's it's a weird time to root for the Broncos. Um, yeah, I mean, well, as 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 Tim was pointing out, I mean, the the team has no face anymore, right? Vaughn was the face of the team, and now it's like, who's the face of the team, right? Is it is it Sertan? Is it Bradley Chubb, who's never there? Is it you know who's the face of the team? It's not Teddy Bridgewater because you've still got the Druthers out there who are you know who are never going to support Bridgewater. Yep. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's crazy. The Broncos have beaten the teams that they should have, and in in previous years we would have been happy with that. I mean, I can remember us you know, just completely laying a turd on the field against an zero and four Giants team that was playing their backup running back and. You know, so yeah, uh, you know, we're we're happy about beating the teams that we should have, but at the same time, we played a Cleveland Browns team led by Case Keenum with their third string running back and missing three starting offensive linemen, and just got completely run over because our linebackers were paper thin. Yep. So, yeah, it's a it's a strange, strange season. So many injuries. So much. So much hype about the defense that has just completely fallen flat. Yeah, I mean it. You know, the I I tweeted something a couple of days ago about the big plays that we've allowed this year, and it's crazy. We've already allowed more plays of forty yards or longer on defense this season, and this was before last game. Um, in seven games, than we had all of last year. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and this is while scoring and offense around the league is actually down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were at historic highs last year. Um, and it's, that's, that's pulled back a little bit, probably because they're calling offensive holding again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that being said, I'm, I just, this week is gonna, I, I'm expecting it to completely fall apart because, um, you know, on as, as much heat as Bowles has caught, he's really been our one consistent offensive lineman all year. And and even with that, I mean, Teddy is still, I think, the third most pressured starting quarterback in the league if you look at PFR's numbers. Um, you know, it's something like 29% of all of his dropbacks he's getting pressure on. Uh, and- so you pull Bowles out of the equation and now, and you face a, a rejuvenated Cowboys defense and again he's going to be having to get rid of the ball in under two seconds every time back there uh, or you know run for his life and try and make something happen Um, and that's not a great strategy against this Cowboys secondary which has been very opportunistic this year Um, so yeah I'm I'm not very confident at all in in the rest of the games this season I watched I, I was actually um, in the hospital last night, uh, long, long story, but, um, sitting in the ER watching the, uh, the, or not. Yeah. Last night was Monday night or uh, two nights ago, I guess I was in the ER cause yeah. Um, anyway, watching the Monday night game and I was like, man, these, these chiefs are, you know, they're a beatable team. We could actually, Oh wait, no, no, we couldn't. No, we couldn't. We're, we've not, not with this offense. I mean that, that play trying to get your right tackle in space to block a, a cornerback. I, I was just like, what are we doing? What this is, you drew this up. Who thought this was a good idea? Um, either again, and now it might've been as it was drawn up, it worked out really well, but the receiver widened out too far, making it too you know difficult of a block for the right tackle. 
or you know maybe it was supposed to um maybe we're supposed to wait a little bit longer before making the throw to give the tackle some time to get out there in space we can make the block but either way i mean as it was executed it was terrible and you know it's just it's one of those that you know that they're like that that's the best we could come up with you know that was a that was a critical third down wasn't it and and we just completely were like wait what that's our that it was almost like that fourth down play that the that that washington ran where i was like that that's the best they could come up with but when they looked at it in retrospect on the um on the replay they're like yeah it was open but but heineke waited too long you know, if he'd thrown that a half a second sooner, that's a completion and a first down. But he waits too long, and now it's a really difficult throw, and it gives the defender a chance to get there, and now it's turnover on downs. Well, um, to me, like, and then honestly, that play may be a perfect way, like kind of the perfect microcosm of where this Broncos team is, is that play would have made sense if they had gone out of their way to draft an athletic right tackle but they didn't, they had the injury replacement for Jawan James. And again, like Bobby Massey hasn't been horrible. Like I would say outside of Ron Turner, he has been probably the Broncos best right tackle since Peyton Manning was around, but that says more about where the Broncos right tackle situation is lately than Bobby Massey. Um, yeah, I think he's a little bit below average, but I think he's okay. But he, that's not, again, like you don't dial those kind of things up for a tackle who's a little bit below average, but okay. And right. on a now third that, down, again, that's, you need, when you need two yards, just, just go and get the yards. Like right. you have, that, you, That's a play that would have made sense because you've got a very athletic left tackle Yes, in Bowles. It would have made sense to go left with that because Bowles can probably make that play in space. He's got the foot quickness to get out there and get to a cornerback. But Massey's not, not that fast. He's not that quick. And, you know, it was one of those, it's like, what, you know, wrong personnel, wrong play, wrong personnel. But to, um, but to me, the way that captures everything is just, just like, it's like Pat Shermer, like the Broncos went out, they traded up to get Javante Williams, but Pat Shermer doesn't want to run the ball. We spent all this money to fix the defense, but the defense is disappointing. We traded Von Miller, but now we're hearing about how they're going to try and win games. It's just like, the, like the, like the, like there's just there's this giant gap between what the Broncos are saying and doing and what it actually makes like what actually makes sense. And again, right. like maybe maybe and again, I'm just a guy who watches the Broncos on Sundays. Like I'm just a fan, so like I get it. Like Fangio knows more about football than I will ever know. Like I'm not I'm not even like pretending that's not the case. But the decision making and the product that's being put on the field and the bullshit that's being spun at the podium is just mind numbing. Like, and, and again, like I see this as somebody who like, I bleed orange and blue and I know you do too. Like we're here through the worst of it. Like yeah. you and I dug through 20 years of historical data on quarterbacks to see if there was any chance Drew Locke was going to pan out. Like, so, like hope. Just yeah, that's hope. all we were looking for. But like we spent hours digging into that. So like, like we're going to be here through thick and thin, like this kind of like where I'm going with it. But I don't think I've ever felt more disillusioned by what is going on with the Broncos. They're running. Right. It's there's not an owner. There's no one keeping anyone accountable. The coaching yeah, staff he, doesn't seem like they know what the fuck they're doing and they're not going to get fired because it doesn't make sense to fire them mid season. You sell off your best player, but that's it. So now we're, we're, we're trotting out uh, undrafted 
Malik Reed, and again, Malik Reed's okay. A seventh round rookie, and then a guy you traded a sixth round pick for. I think a six, no, a seventh round pick for for Weatherly. And, yeah, I think yeah. it was a seventh. And an edge that you picked up off the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad. That's the Broncos edge room. And we're going to, we're supposed to believe that they're going to try and win games. And again, like for Fangio's sake, I get, I get it, but like, it just, it brings me back to the podcast you, me and Jeff had. And again, guys, if you listening, if you didn't hear it before the season began, you, me and Jeff had to talk about it. And I asked you guys, do you believe in the direction of the Broncos? And I think all three of us kind of this conclusion of like, what is the direction of the Broncos? And it just feels like we're kind of just trotting along, treading water, waiting for the ownership situation to get sorted out. And until then, it just feels like we're just trying to put uh, put butts in seats so people buy tickets. Yeah. Well, and 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 again, if that's the goal, then why trade the face of the franchise? Yes. Right. It's it. it what 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 boggles my mind is if you're going to the the fire sale mode of let's dump salary, let's get rid of any tradable assets we have then then do that but that's not what the broncos did we traded away von miller we traded away a fifth round cornerback that hasn't played this year yep um and and that was it and and we you know there was a bunch of people that said we should trade bridgewater because the saints are in dire need of a quarterback right now they're not going to run simeon back out there no. because the league already knows how to beat trevor simeon they figured that out five years ago so, you know, Trevor Simeon is not going to be the answer at, at quarterback for them. And they've actually got the money that they could br they could have brought Bridgewater in pretty easily. I mean, hell, the Panthers are still paying Bridgewater's salary. So, you know, give the Broncos a little bit of draft capital, and they probably could have had Bridgewater really easily. But we didn't do that. And, and to me, and, I, and again, like in a vacuum – like, and again, and I've said this a few times, like both on Twitter and then I've written it a couple times, but like in a vacuum, I get the Von Miller trade in a vacuum. I think the Kerry Vincent trade was a good move because first of all, I was probably, and I don't mean to be critical of him. I was pretty low on the idea of keeping him on the roster after what I saw in the preseason. Um, I get it. He's a toolsy athletic guy, but he didn't know what the hell he was doing in the preseason. And I get it again. Like you want to try and gamble on that guy developing. But, like, he wasn't playing any games. So the fact that they could get a sixth-round pick for a former seventh-round guy, like, yeah, that's great. It doesn't solve the issue with Kyle Fuller. And, again, maybe no one maybe no one offered anything for him. But the Broncos basically can't cut him. Um, my understanding is if – and, again, I might be wrong. So, guys, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But, like, when I've looked into this, and I've looked into this a couple times, cutting Kyle Fuller would cost the Broncos $9 million in dead cap. If you trade him, you can offset it. So, like, then it's, then it's gone. Now, obviously, now it's gone anyway. But yeah. so with Bryce Callahan being hurt, maybe they plan to play Kyle Fuller inside. Maybe. Um, I don't Fuller, know. I, just, that's the I, I looked it up before we came on. Kyle Fuller played two defensive snaps yeah. last week. No, he he's played. And that four. was with Callahan going down. I mean, we, we were running. Um, what's his Nate name Harrison. out there? Nate Harrison. Yeah. Nate yeah. Harrison, who, who was toast last year. I mean, he got burned more often than, than my wife burns toast. So um, it, uh, yeah, it, it, to wow, me, I, to me, the decision, the decision to trade Von Miller, and again, like, I don't know how much you followed the Halloween party type stuff. Um, cause a lot of it's like TMZ level type of things. Um, for listeners, if you did not know, hear about this, apparently, uh, Von Miller every year he, ha he holds a Halloween party this year. He wanted to cancel it. And this is based on you know, the reports I was reading. He was going to cancel it because the Broncos were losing. And he had told the guys that. We're losing. Like I'd rather us focus on winning games. 
And then, like, they ended up having it anyway, and he ended up asking players to chip in for it. My under- and Again, I'm s- s- kind of supposing on some of this. It sounded to me like Von Miller was going to cancel it. The Broncos didn't want to cancel it, and then Von Miller was like, if we're going to hold it, then it's everybody's. You guys have to pitch in. That's what it seemed like based on what I read. And then guys got mad about it. And so it created this whole thing in the locker room. If you go back and listen to what Von Miller said after the Washington game, that probably ties into some of that stuff. But there is like some speculation that that is part of the reason why Von Miller is traded. I don't know if I believe that. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Von Miller's gone. The Broncos got a second and third round pick. They paid $9 million of his salary. So the Rams are only on the hook for $700,000 for Von Miller for the rest of the season. Uh, Broncos got two picks. In a, in a vacuum, that makes sense if you weren't going to re-sign him. And the way the Broncos approached Von Miller in the offseason once Peyton was kind of like making that decision, it did not seem like Peyton was going to re-sign Von Miller. So no. I get that. If you were going to lose him anyway, because if Von Miller left in free agency, you only get a fifth-round pick for compensatory picks um, because he's well, accrued so many seasons in the league. That's like how that works. Yeah. Um, But if that was part of the rationale, Holding on to Bridgewater makes very little sense unless you plan to keep him because Teddy Bridgewater, if he leaves in free agency, you do not get a compensatory pick for him because the Broncos adjusted his, his contract after he was traded to the Broncos. So if he leaves in free agency, the Broncos get nothing. Um, that said, and again, like kind of like I've thought about this a lot for two days. Like I basically have not stopped thinking about this stuff and I, I wish I had. Holding on to the players that the Broncos held on to makes sense if George Payton plans to keep like the actual key contributors. Kyle Fuller's gone. Like Kyle Fuller's playing out the string. But like if you plan to keep Teddy Bridgewater as like a mentor type next year, I get it. Like I'm I'm on board with it. It's fine. Um Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, if you're resigning him, I hope you do. I don't think they're gonna resign both. But I hope you do, because then it makes sense to not trade them. Stuff like that. But realistically in the short term it's hard to look at the broncos schedule and see them coming out of this with a winning record i'm gonna be honest yeah uh i hear you i i agree as well i i could see us just as easily going you know four and 13 as in fact i i would wager that there's a higher chance of us not winning again this season than there is for us winning 10 games yeah. So, you know, if if you were to probably run the numbers on a simulator, uh, you would probably get a greater percentage at uh, of of four and thirteen than you would of ten and seven. I know when uh, I, I look at this every week. I wish again another one of those things. I wish I didn't. Uh, Football Outsiders runs a simulation of the NFL, the remainder of the NFL season, fifty thousand times every week. Following the Von Miller trade, they redid it. Uh, the Broncos, as of now, I want to say have a 22% chance of making the playoffs. They have a four, and I'm not looking at the numbers, guys. I apologize. But they have, I want to say, a 4.8% chance or a 4.6% chance at getting a top five pick. Um, and then they have like a 3% chance of making it to the AFC title game, which, you know, that seems wild. Um, so, like they're kind of stuck in this mode where like they're not so bad that they're going to tank to the top of the draft. So if you were hoping for a rookie quarterback, it still looks maybe a little dicey. Um, even though I think this quarterback class may fall a little bit, like we'll see. Um, but their playoff odds are pretty rough too. Obviously everything going on with the Raiders probably helps them a little bit in the AFC West, not to 
make light of, you know, everything going on with the Henry Rugg situation. Um, don't drink and drive. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to make light of that. Like, I do, but I do think, like, losing Henry Ruggs on the field does not help the Raiders. Um, so that right. does help the Broncos in that game. The Chiefs do look like a mess, but, like, let's be real. Like, the Broncos' defense, outside of the Washington game where Washington had was missing three offensive linemen, the Broncos have not had a consistent pass rush outside of Von Miller all year. Um, they've been trying to dial up blitzes to try and help it, but Alexander Johnson got hurt, and they don't have another backer who really creates as a blitzer now. Maybe Baron Browning, but Baron Browning's also trying to figure out how to actually play football in the NFL. Um, so it's like I, I yeah. don't see a realistic. Well, I mean Browning, Browning played ninety-seven percent of the defensive snaps last week, and, he, and that's going. And he played from... better than I hoped for. Like let's. Right. I mean, he he was he was much better than I would have expected. Same. Given his lack of experience at the NFL level. But that being said, you know, he's not he's going to be way far behind where Jewel or Johnson would have been. And he also right? played and, against Washington, which is one of the worst offensive teams in the league and against good quarterbacks and good offensive coordinators. We're going to see more and more teams attacking the middle of the field to try and exploit the miscommunications between Kenny Young and Baron Browning. Washington did it. Like they did it. They just didn't do it enough to to really beat the Broncos because Tyler Taylor Haneke didn't execute. But Dak Prescott is going to be able to. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the remaining schedule, um we've got the Cowboys, we've got the Eagles who just blew out I forget who they blew out. Lions. They, they blew out the Lions this weekend. So you know that doesn't look like a that's that's going to be a tough win if the Broncos are going to win that. Then we've got uh, Chargers at Kansas City, Lions. Uh, that's probably a win, but you know, again, I, I mean, I don't want to count on the Broncos doing anything right this year. Um, we've struggled against the teams that we were supposed to beat, um, with one exception, and uh, and then looked terrible against the teams that were supposed to beat us. So yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so let's let's say we beat the Lions. Then we've got uh, Bengals at the Raiders, at the Chargers, and home with the Chiefs. So we could we could legitimately lose the last four, um, depending upon where the Raiders are at that point, uh, as far as their personnel and as far as their um, turmoil is concerned. Yeah, uh, but uh, well. Because the other thing is the Broncos defensively, and again, like I'm not trying to just be like I don't think either you or I are trying to be just super negative, but we're also going to be realistic. Look at what's left of the Broncos defensive front is like kind of where we're at. Like Kenny Young was traded for last week. Baron Browning's a rookie; he just made his first start. Draymond Jones and Shelby Harris are still on the roster. Malik Reed again, like. Outside of those two sacks against Washington, he hasn't really done a whole lot as a pass rusher this year. Um, and he's also, he's still pretty weak against better tackles in terms of run blocking. Like in the Browns right. game, that shows up in a big, big way. Um, and then Jonathan Cooper, Jonathan Cooper had that one good game against the backup tackle on the on the Browns. But other than that, he's been pretty quiet. Um, and then Stephen Weatherly has played, I want to say 2,478 snaps and he had in his career. And he has seven sacks to show for it. So again, realistically, I don't know how good he is going to be either. So against a team like Dallas, and Dallas has, by adjusted line yards, football outsiders measurement for offensive line, 
Dallas has the best offensive line in football. Um, they're not very good at running off left tackle, but basically from between the guards over to the right, they are the best team in football at running the ball. And they have Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Like Dallas is probably going to run for a buck hundred, like a buck plus on the Broncos. Um, if they win, it's because the offense somehow gets hot or because Dak doesn't play. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, but I could see, I mean, you know, again, we, we lost to Case Keenum, right? Yeah. You know, yep. so I could see Cooper Rush beating us. Um, you know, again, it, it really comes down to their play calling. If they if they find that they can run the ball pretty easily against us, I could see them running it 35, 40 times and still putting 30 points on the board. And Kellen Moore will do um, that. That's the big difference between Kellen Moore and Pat Shermer is Kellen Moore will continue to go back to the same well if it's working. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and I, I would, I would not be surprised if we lose to a Cooper rush led Cowboys team. Um, Same. I hope not. In fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised it. if, if Dak is still, you know, not a hundred percent, if they hold him out specifically because they're looking at this, like, well, we'd rather save him for the games that we are more concerned about. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm guessing that the Cowboys are pretty Cowboys offensive coaches are pretty uh, convinced that they've got a plan to attack the shell of a, of a defense that we have left. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's, I, I remember doing the the exercise two or three years ago when we looked back, we had, I think six, no, sorry. It was, it was eight of the guys starting on defense were either undrafted free agents um, or sixth, round or, or day three picks. Right. And this is, this is, you know, going back, I think three years, cause Chris Harris jr. Was still here, but um, it was like, you know, wow. Okay. So we're, we're, you know, we're, we're able to make, um, it was fan, I think it was Fangio's first year. We're able to make chicken salad out of, out of chicken shit. But uh, I, I just don't think <laughs> we don't even have the shit anymore. We're trying to make chicken salad out of dirt at this point. Um, it's, it's, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel at, at, you know, all linebacker positions now. Um, and that's going to, cause again, like, I think I, I, again, I liked what Browning showed. I think Kenny Young, like if Kenny Young gets up to like up to speed on the, on the system, I think like he could be okay. I don't think he's, I think all the hype that we heard about him in part is because like Madden type stats, like he's a fast linebacker but he's a run and chase kind of linebacker. He's not going to really win between the tackles very consistently. He makes mental mistakes in coverage. He will misplay the ball in cover. Like he's a, he's a, a replacement level starting linebackers, how I would describe it. And I don't mean that to be damning. Yeah. I am glad the Broncos got him because he's going to be more fun to watch than to be completely honest. than Justin Cernod was like Justin Cernod at the last two games looked lost a lot, like more than like, I hope, oh, yeah. I hope he puts it together, but the Browns game was one of the worst games at linebacker I've ever watched in the NFL. Um, not just yeah, him, was... but him and Curtis Robinson and Micah Kaiser, they were awful. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I 
wanted to burn that tape after watching it. I, I just, uh, you know, it, it was, if you wanted to show people how not to play linebacker, middle linebacker specifically in a three, four, um, yep. That was, that was, yeah, that was a good tape for, okay. You know, there's going to be multiple mistakes made at the inside linebacker level on every single play. And we're going to pick a play and just show you the mistakes that were made. So one, the one part of the Broncos defense that is kind of close to healthy, I guess, cause Bryce Callahan got hurt, but like, it's kind of close to healthy is the cornerback room and the DB room. Um, again, I don't think that's going to be enough of the, against the Cowboys, but do you think that like, is there any possibility that the Broncos are good enough there that it could help them like sneak away and be like a sneaky, decent defense against other teams? Cause like teams that can't run the ball and the Eagles, their running game is really inconsistent. So maybe, you know what I mean? Um, because that, that's kind of like the argument for not trading Kyle Fuller, not trading like who you could, I guess, is that like, maybe we can scrape together something with what we have left on defense and really what the Broncos have left on defense are plucky young players, Baron Browning, and then a decent secondary Yeah, on paper. Um, well, I mean, you know, Shelby Harris can still show up in yeah. big plays uh, on occasion. Um, but, you know, frankly, if you're looking at guys who are going to win the one-on-one matchups consistently in the front seven, we pretty much don't have them anymore. Um, we're going to – this is – if, if and it's a big if, but if this defense uh, shows up and ends up as a top-10 defense in the league – and I have serious doubts that's going to happen. But if it does, it will probably be Vic Fangio's crowning achievement in the NFL. If getting this collection of uh, below average talented players to play at an extremely high level together. If the Broncos come back from uh, Von Miller being traded and turn into a top 10 defense, I would think that Vic Fangio is going to keep his job next year. Um, and I and I don't right. think that's likely. I don't think either of us think that's likely. Um, but I think if that happens though, if the Broncos suddenly become a top 10 defense and the offense kind of hovers around where they're at, the Broncos are probably hanging around the playoff picture enough. And then, and again, and I think that this is one of those underrated factors that a lot of fans need to kind of keep in mind. And again, I'm not saying this because I'm rooting for it. I'm just saying, cause it's realistic because the Broncos ownership situation looks like it's going to be as murky as it is a new home, a new owner can't come on until March. If Fangio is going to get fired, the Broncos would have to hire a new coach in January. And so, like, for Peyton's perspective, it's better for him to hold on to Fangio. Like, it's better for Fangio and the coaching staff to look decent enough that he can argue we're building something. Whether fans like it or not, like, that's probably Peyton's, like, best-case scenario because if he has to hire a new coach in January and the new owner comes on and doesn't necessarily like what's going on, it puts Peyton on notice. And then Peyton suddenly, like, trying to impress the new boss. And then, then that's more dysfunction. Um, but that's one of the reasons why probably one of the reasons why the Broncos didn't sell at the trade deadline too, is because if fan, if, if Peyton just scrapped the whole thing, Fangio is a dead man walking. And then all of a sudden Peyton's on the clock come March. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, again, we, we don't want to discount Chubb coming back because, yeah. you know, he has shown that in the absence of Von Miller, he can be a force. Um, and, you know, it's a situation where, 
uh, Malik Reed and Bradley Chubb give you a pretty good um, edge as far as rushing the passer. Um, you know, so maybe it's a let's hold on until Chubb gets back and we're expecting him to be the savior defensively. Um, but, you know, it's not it's not giving me any warm fuzzies because you're relying on a guy who's been, um, frankly, injury prone and, you know, expecting him to be 100 percent when he comes back and step in and basically play the Von Miller role. Yeah, um, which he wasn't really able to do last season when Von Miller wasn't playing. Yep. So, you know, and that was a, a situation where you had two fairly strong line in, inside linebackers who could both get pressure if you needed it. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of the other things that jumped out to me when I looked at our defensive pressure rate. Um, it was you know, decent. It's about where I expected it to be. But then I looked at our blitz rate. And we it's were the second high. highest blitzing D in the league. Yeah. And that's not Fangio. You know, he's one of the guys, he wants to rely on his front four, front five to get pressure uh, so that he can drop seven, drop six into coverage and uh, essentially force the quarterback to make mistakes, force him to throw short, come up and make the tackle and, and get off the field. Um, I, I, and the I, fact that he's had to call blitzes uh, to get pressure. And we're still not near, you know, we're not at the top of the league. We're in the top third, but, um, you know, there were a couple of games where we weren't getting anywhere near the quarterback. The Pittsburgh game, for example, was terrible. I think we had like four pressures all game. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where I, I want to say it was right after the Jets game team. Like one of the reporters asked Fangio if he's going to blitz more because back then he wasn't blitzing a whole lot yet. And one of the things that I want to say he said is that like, he would rather not live on it and rely on it because then it becomes like a big play either way. Um, what he wants to do is like you dial it up on, on in specific situations to try and catch them off balance. Well, the Broncos aren't doing that. They're, they're blitzing a lot because they have to. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's exposing, exposing the secondary. And yeah. that's why we're giving up, you know, 20 and 40 yard plays at a pretty scary rate. And that's why losing Bryce Callahan is probably going to hurt a lot um, because Bryce Callahan, again, like Bryce Callahan's size makes him like a bad matchup against some guys, but Bryce Callahan is feisty enough that he's been a decent corner all year. Like quietly, he's been a pretty reliable contributor. Um, but again, reliably injured. I and mean, I don't say that as somebody who like, it's just a fact, like he's been hurt every single year of his career at this point. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like one of those things that like when he came back this year, him and Darby both, like you and I, again, we both said this. Neither one of between the two of them since 2015, Ronald Darby has played one whole season healthy, and the Broncos paid him for it. But outside of that, like both of them have been hurt every single year they played in the NFL. Um, but I guess like beyond the de beyond the defense, I guess like we kind of come back to where the offense because if the Broncos are going to do anything, the offense has to kind of make it work better than they have. Do you have any confidence that that's going to happen? No. And that's because of Pat Shermer, honestly. I mean, at this point, you know, if, if, if I were the offensive coordinator, I would pro I, I probably would at this point say, get miners, get Mooty in there at guard, um, maybe move Glasgow over to center. Let's, let's build an offense that's designed to run the ball. Let's get our big boys in there who are going to push people around in the run game, even if we're going to suffer in the passing game. 
Um, but you know, if you've got guys who you can do that and, and Muti and, and miners are, are probably better. I'm not gonna say probably, I'm gonna say definitely, they're definitely better run blockers than Reisner and Glasgow. Um, and, and, and probably from a run blocking perspective, your best trio of interior offensive linemen is going to be, uh, miners, Muti and, and Glasgow at center. Um, and so, you know, but even if you don't pull Cushionberry, if you keep Cushionberry in there at center and just swap out your two guards, um, it, one thing that would do, that would at least say, okay, we're going to run the ball. We're going to say this is going to be our bread and butter. We're going to challenge defenses to stop us. We've got two really good running backs. We're going to try and ride them, and that's going to be our offensive identity for the rest of the year. And, you know, frankly, if if – if Pat Shermer were to come out and say that tomorrow, I'd be floored because that's not Pat Shermer. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I think that's the only way that this team is going to be able to do anything uh, offensively that's going to score 20 plus points a game. Well, right. And that's because the, the passing game we're, we're, we're just the starting offensive line is not good enough at protecting the quarterback and they're not good enough at running the ball, at least the way we're running the ball, um, to do what we're doing and consistently score points. Well, so, you know, we, something has to change because we've got too many first down runs for zero or one yards. And then we pass it on second down and we get an incompletion. And now we're in third and eight or third and nine. And there, there, you know, I, I posted something a couple weeks back. Even Hall of Famers at quarterback struggle to convert on third and long. Yep. Um, you know, the two best in the history of the game, sadly, are both currently playing in the AFC West. Mahomes and Herbert um, convert at 35%. And again, this only goes back to 94. But think about that. That's, that's elite. That is the best of the best. And they're only converting one out of three times on third and long. Um, so, you know, if you've got an offense that is consistently getting in third and long, you know, what are you going to do? So you have to find a way to not consistently get in the third and long. Well, how do you do that? If you've got some good run blocking offensive linemen and some, you know, 230 pound running backs, uh, maybe you give them the ball more. Maybe you change the offensive identity and you just try and pound the rock with the running game. I think that's been the most confusing part to me about the Teddy Bridgewater offense is like, first of all, like I think the Broncos have done a good job of dispelling the notion that Bridgewater doesn't throw deep because they're dialing up a lot of deep shots. Like Shermer, yeah. Shermer's offense is predicated on somebody running a go route and Bridgewater trying to hit him. I would argue that they do that way too much considering the fact that a, like you mentioned, the offensive line struggles to hold up in pass protection that long. But also Bridgewater, he's okay. I would say he's he's more accurate in the deep game than a lot of people think thought coming in. But he's he's reliably decent at like shallow crossing stuff. Like go back and watch the Saints games, and like that's what we watched a lot of is Peyton dialing up crossing routes underneath or easy completions on slat flat stuff like that. And like I and I mentioned this last week to Tim Jenkins, but like to me, it doesn't feel like they're doing enough of that. They're not dialing up enough like manufactured easy completions for easy yards. Because like I don't have a problem with throwing the ball a lot. 
But if you're going to throw the ball a lot, especially if you're starting your drive on a throw, make it an easy completion. So it's it's essentially an extension of the ground game. Because if you're having trouble right. moving the ball on the ground, and again, like I think Javante Williams is part of the problem moving the ball on the ground because his decision-making is sporadic. And again, like I knew that, like I scouted him coming out. So like, that's not a surprise to me. It surprises me the way the Broncos are using him because they're using him a lot of inside zone. And I don't think that that's his game. And I've mentioned that a few times on cover two already, but like, I thought the Shermer offense was going to be smarter than it is. And I guess, I guess that's the biggest complaint I have. Like I know by DVOA, they're 14th in the league. And that surprised me um, hmm. because like, they're one of the worst offenses in the league in the red zone. They, they run the ball in second and long way too much. They're on third and long a lot. So like, it's, it's weird to me that they're halfway decent um, at this. And I think part of it is like when they're in must pass situations at the end of games, they're decent. Um, but I just, I don't disagree with you. And I, especially with Cushionberry, I personally think like, I think we've seen enough of Cushionberry to know that like, He's probably not going to be the long-term answer at center. Um, right. And like knowing that, like once you accept that, it's like, well, do we have another option that's viable? And to me, moving Glasgow over to center and then bringing Miners onto the field is like, like I don't know why you wouldn't do that, knowing like where the Broncos are heading. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where um, you know, I, when do you pull the bandaid off, right? And I think yeah that with with Cushionberry. You know, I was expecting him to make a jump in his second year. Everybody was giving him benefit of the doubt because no preseason games, no training camp last season, coming in as a rookie at the most cerebral position on the offensive line. And frankly, he hasn't made that jump. Um, he's he's still playing. Honestly, in, to my eyes, he's playing worse than he did last year as a rookie. Um, and he was one of the worst starting centers in the league last year, at least by, by PFF. I am really um, disappointed with his anchor uh, in pass pro. That showed up a lot to me. Um, he gets pushed back a lot. It happens in the ground game too. And like I, I stopped cutting these plays up. I cut up a lot of plays and I don't put them in articles because like, what am I going to talk about with it? Like if something really bad happened, but sometimes when something really bad happens, I cut it just so I can like reference it later. Cause like, now that all 22 and again, guys, game pass is like a garbage heap. Don't subscribe to it. But now that game pass is so bad, I have to get my tape in like just a giant hour long video and I cut through it. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, I know I'm keeping you. I'll, I'll let you go in a second, but it's just like, okay. but with Cushionberry, it's one of those things where like his issues with play strength, there's times where he gets either stalemated or pushed back into the backfield on running plays. And all of a sudden, like the, the lineman has, or the running back has to cut around him because he's in the way like he's, he's interfering with the offense in both on the, in the passing game and the ground game. So unless he's just that good at making pre-snap reads, I don't really get how you can't find a better option. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal each week. You'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Right. Um, and, you know, Miners did a little bit of uh, 
of work at center. I think we had both at, uh, um, in the preseason and I think a little bit, um, or in training camp and maybe a little bit in the preseason. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I, honestly that, that this, and, and maybe they're waiting till the bye week to make big changes like this on offense. Um, I don't know, but, uh, you know, the, the current trajectory is not sustainable. Right. I mean, it's the, 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 the defense is getting worse as the year wears on mainly because of the loss of players, both by trade and injury. Uh, the offense is getting worse as the year wears on. And that's mainly based on just lack of performance. Uh, and you could say a little bit of it is because of the injuries that we've had. I mean, with, with, with Judy and Hamler out, there's nobody to take the top off the defense. Yep. So we essentially have, you know, Sutton and Patrick who are ostensibly the same receiver. They're both the big body guy who's going to win the 50-50 matchup, but they're they're not going to beat you deep um, by getting not, separation. And yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're not consistent separators, and that was the issue. Yeah. So like, so I have if, I have some. If they do if they do win on the deep ball, it's going to be on a 50-50 jump ball. Yeah, I have some hope that Judy coming back and kind of getting back into the swing of things will help a little bit. But now we're also missing Fant, or it seems like we're going to miss Fant because he's on the COVID list, and then now Bowles is out, and like. I, I'm not a doctor, and again, I, I know I'm keeping you. I'm, I'm going to let you go. I have one question for you, and then I'll let you go after this. But like sure. the thing, the thing with Garrett Bowles, it's a grade two high ankle sprain. I'm not a doctor, but I've done a little bit of digging. You know, do you know the WebMD Google doctor thing? The timeline for a high ankle sprain is anywhere between six weeks and three months. A grade two high ankle sprain is looking like six to twelve weeks on an optimistic side. Like. Maybe again, like these are professional athletes, so maybe they have some way of getting him healthy sooner than that. But realistically, we're not going to see probably the same Garrett Bowles that we saw through the first part of the season over this last stretch, even if he does play, which means that yeah. the Broncos well, the offensive one, line is going to be more of a seed than it has been. The one um, point of optimism there for me is that he sprained, I can't remember which ankle, um, but it was a couple years ago. It was actually the first time he had missed a start in his NFL career, and it looked really bad. It looked almost as bad or probably worse than this last sprain, and I, I think he was only out for like one week. Um, he came back tremendously quickly from that ankle sprain. So, uh, you know, that's the one sliver of optimism I have about him not missing the majority of the rest of the season. Um, but that being said, you know, Calvin Anderson is a huge downgrade from – you know, Garrett Bowles. But I mean, they, and, they, they uh, practice together though. And they're basically on the presser today. I heard that there's, they're, they're the same person. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, we'll see, but, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, if, if there were ever a time to, you know, to switch up the offensive line and switch up what we're doing so that we're, so that we get in fewer third and long situations, you know, this would be the time to do it because we've, we've, you know, we're already shaking it up with having to replace bowls for a few weeks, at least with injury and, and get Anderson in there. So why not say, all right, let's go ahead and do some reshuffling here and, um, and figure if we can get something that's going to work better. Cause right now, I mean, when I did that breakdown of the, the every running play and, and that we, we literally ran 12 times against the Browns, um, with our running backs, but I mean, that was sad. I mean, it was just so often our interior offensive line was getting shoved backwards, yep. getting stalemated, um, getting no push in the run game. And, uh, you know, and then and I realized if we're running zone, you're not trying to get push. You're actually trying to just stretch the guys out and run them along the line. 
But, you know, a lot of the plays I was looking at, they weren't zone runs. Um, They were runs that we were designed to be actually trying to push guys off the ball and there was no push. So. So my last question, uh, kind of, uh, is it, do you think it's, do you think it's crazy that the Broncos may just be kind of hoping for like Aaron Rodgers? Like, like, is this all like, we're just kind of playing out the string, looking good enough. So an owner buys the team and then Peyton is going to like pull Aaron Rodgers out of his hat at the beginning of March. And we're all going to forgive him for this year. Like, am I crazy for thinking that might be a possibility? Well, I mean that, that you could look at the stockpiling of draft picks that we've done so far as, you know, as fodder to try and, and entice Rogers in. Um, but frankly, I just, I don't see him wanting to come here. Um, you know, I, it, it, they, if you look at the reasons why Peyton Manning came, um, you could sell him on the team as it stood at that point as, you know, okay, what we need is a quarterback to get us over the hump. Mm-hmm. Rodgers is not going to buy that about this team. This team is not a quarterback away from Super Bowl contention. Um, there are too many holes on both sides of the ball that still need to be filled um, before we can consistently even compete, compete in the AFC West. And, and that's my uh, concern because if you're sending all those, like, cause again, like after the Bond Miller trade, I said that I think that it's probably the end of a realistic hope at Aaron Rodgers. And again, I never thought Russell Wilson was realistic anyway, once he said that he wasn't coming here. Um, but to me, it's like, if you're going to send all those draft picks for Aaron Rodgers, well then you're not doing anything to address the issues up front on defense. And you're not doing anything right. to address the right tackle situation. And again, I understand that a Hall of Fame level quarterback can, can kind of hide some of those deficiencies. But if you're a Hall of Fame quarterback, and again, we have no idea if he has a say in this, but if Aaron Rodgers has a say in where he goes after this year, and like, you know, presumably he wants to leave the Packers, if he has any sort of say in it, why would you want to go to the Broncos if you could also go to, like, let's say the Steelers? And I say this as somebody who, God, I, I would hate if he goes to the Steelers. But the Steelers have T.J. Watt. They have a, a coach in place who is like basically a Hall of Fame level coach already, and they have a plan. They have a plan yeah. that makes sense. And right they now, they have ownership in place. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it as far as like selling selling the Broncos to Aaron Rodgers, you'd have to be one hell of a used car salesman. John Elway um, is, is a, is a used car <laughs> to be able to pull that one off. So yeah, yeah and I, I said that fully, fully knowing about Elway's car dealerships. But um, yeah, I just I, I don't see it. I don't see Rogers even wanting to come here. Uh, and I look at what's available in the draft at quarterback, and I cringe. Um, and you know, I, I, I could this. This honestly could be one of those years when the first quarterback doesn't come off the board until the teens. Yeah. Um, now I'm I'm fully expecting somebody is going to get overhyped, and they'll get drafted in the top five or six, just based on combine performance, even if they don't have the tape or the numbers, because um, that seems to happen every year. But that being said, you know, do we really want to overdraft the next? Paxton Lynch, um, the next crash, or, you know, Christian Ponder, who George Payton yeah. was a part of drafting. Yeah. So yeah, or the next Christian Hackenberg. Yeah. 
um, you know, who, who George Payton wasn't, but you know, they're, they're every year. There are guys who, that there, there are red flags about now, that being said, there are quarterbacks who have red flags who get drafted and end up panning out. But for every Patrick Mahomes, there are probably 10 bust quarterbacks who go in the first round. Yeah. So I just um I just and and this year, you know, I I think that that, that crap shoot is even a, a, a worse risk. I just right. Check. Because maybe yeah. there's one guy who's going to be a starting quarterback who comes out of this this coming draft. But maybe there isn't. And there have been years when there wasn't a single quarterback who got drafted that was a long-term starter in the NFL. Well, to me, it's like every every year, and again, I know you get this too, but like every year, every every prospect has red flags, but you kind of weigh that out versus like the upside. And then like the likelihood that those red flags are going to, you know, bomb them. And like last year's class, like, and I, I said that then, like, and I know like a lot of them are struggling right now, but as prospects, you looked at them and all of them on the Broncos, it looked like they have a clear path to being becoming a franchise guy. And again, I've only just started really studying the 22 class, but like the question I have kind of hanging over my head as I watch all of them is yes, there are tons of risks, but what is the actual upside of this? Like, what is like, what are the, like, realistically, what can we really hope for? if you invest this pick in this guy and like, and that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of down on Kenny Pickett. It's one of the reasons why I'm not really high in Carson strong. That's one of the reasons why I'm really out on Sam Howell, because I think Sam Howell, best case scenario, you're getting a poor man's Baker Mayfield. Um, yeah. And again, well, I just, I, I just watched Howell play against the Irish and no, he's not. He's, he's honestly, he's Tim Tebow. He can't handle um, pressure. Well, he, he can't handle pressure and he, he also just can't throw the ball deep. Yeah. Um, he's, he's horribly inaccurate on his throws. He's, he's basically a running back back there playing quarterback. Uh, and I was amazed at, at, you know, the number of guys he, he made miss in, in the run game, but that's, that's not really what you want when you're drafting an NFL quarterback. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, honestly, I was a lot more impressed by the quarterback at Cincinnati right now than I was by Sam Howell, um, and I could see him being like the dark horse and, and actually rising way up the boards just because of his his acumen, uh, his ability to read defenses, his ability to play in a pro style offense. Um, but uh, you know, again, I, I I haven't looked beyond cursorily at any of this this class i'm mainly going off of what's been said how how weak it is at quarterback mm -hmm. and uh you know I'm, I'm just looking bleakly at what that means for the broncos in in 2022 at the quarterback position same and um, i'm i'm going off of like a lot of broadcast tape because i want you know i watch on and we both do but like off of what i've seen what i've read from people that i really put a lot of stock into and then like the little bit i've studied and again, like I reserve the right to change my mind. I think, you know, we're so early in the process, like maybe, but like we're going to get hype from this draft class at quarterback just because like quarterbacks are what sell draft guides. Like people don't buy draft guides to read about the backup or the, the lineman who's coming out, who looks like people aren't going to buy a draft guide to hear about Evan Neal. And I like Evan Neal. So like, I'm not saying it like that, but like people don't get excited about Evan Neal. Right. Um, except for, you know, the sickos like me, but like, so we're going to hear the hype. Like you said, like we're going to hear people talk up this class, but I just, I have a lot of doubts 
And then I just, I don't, I hope that Aaron Rodgers is coming. If, if you can get him for something that's not ridiculous, I would love for Russell Wilson to change his mind. Like I, I would love for a quarterback to come through the door. I don't right now. I don't see it. And I don't think I don't, I, I just, I, I come back to like what you and I talked about way back when I think this is a, probably a good place to end. It's just, I just wonder about Peyton's plan. Like, is your plan just to keep the job as long as you can and be a GM or are you actually going to try and build something? Because right now it doesn't seem like the Broncos are really building anything. It seems like they're treading water. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're halfway in between. We didn't, we didn't go all in on selling off the talent we have. We didn't go all in on trying to build something that would actually compete this year. And so, you know, when you're, you're, you're half and half, you're basically half-assed. Yep. So sorry for a really downery podcast guys. Uh, I'm not, you know, I don't think either of us are trying to rain on your parade, but it just, that's kind of where things are at right now. Um, I hope, I hope the Broncos shock us and they, they beat Dallas, um, get Mike McCarthy fired. And then Kellen Moore leaves next year because he had a bad performance against the Broncos and he becomes the Broncos head coach. If they fire Fangio, or I hope the Broncos turn it around and all of a sudden Fangio looks like a genius or a savant. Like I, I hope something changes over the next nine weeks because right now it just feels like the Broncos are stuck in neutral. And I think this fan base deserves more than that. Um, I agree. But so thank you for joining me, Joe guys. Again, if you do not follow Joe on Twitter, go do it. He is at ND Jomo 76. Um, his tweets do not rain on your parade quite as much as our podcast did. <laughs> um, and he also writes at Mile Hard Report. His run game study was fantastic if you want to find out what went wrong in the Browns game. Uh, yeah. So hopefully better news ahead, guys. Yep. All right. Go Broncos. <laughs>